If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Locked in a cage. I'm not talking about a wild animal that's getting shipped over from Africa. I'm not talking about a dangerous species like an alligator that just got pulled out of Okefenokee with those long tongs. A baby boy, just nine years old, locked in a cage, living outside in these temperatures. How is that happening in America? How and why is that happening in our great country? What, nobody knew there was a child missing from school? None of the neighbors knew there was a boy, nine years old, living behind the house in a cage? The cage aspect is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation and Sirius XM 111. Let's kick it off. WFMY. Davidson County Sheriff Richie Simmons says this is one of the worst child abuse cases that he has seen in his 37-year career. Deputies arrived to the home on Crest Road just before 7.30 yesterday morning. There they found a nine-year-old child who had been left outside overnight with just the clothes on his back. He was inside a locked dog kennel on the property as the outside temperature fell to 28 degrees. 
there was some clothes um, that was that was there, um, just bits and pieces. A little bit of food was inside, um, but not enough to sustain warmth for this child. Investigators did not say why the child was locked in the outside kennel in the first place. Two other children were located on the property, along with two more who were at school when deputies arrived. I'm not even sure I understand what I just heard. I'm pretty sure I heard uh, they haven't figured out why the little boy was in a cage outdoors in 28 degree weather. Does it really matter why? Does it matter? That's why the state never has to prove motive. Right there. It doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter why adults have locked a child in an outdoor cage at 28 degrees outside. I want to make sure I understand what I just heard. Could you please, Jackie, play Daniel Cruz one more time? Davidson County Sheriff Richie Simmons says this is one of the worst child abuse cases that he has seen in his 37-year career. Deputies arrived to the home on Crest Road just before 7.30 yesterday morning. There they found a nine-year-old child who had been left outside overnight with just the clothes on his back. He was inside a locked dog kennel on the property as the outside temperature fell to 28 degrees. Okay, Nicole Parton joining me, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Nicole Parton, you know that my husband and I have been married uh, almost 16 years. It actually seems like maybe two or three years, believe it or not. Do you know only the second, uh, third time and all the time I've known him, even prior to our marriage, last night was only the third time I threatened to divorce him. No, make that four. One was for losing my cat after I moved to New York. Coco. Okay. Number two, let's see, what would that have been? Probably when he said a curse word in front of the children. No, that, that's not that is not divorce worthy. I just hid his iPad for a week. Um, but last night, this is the fourth one. The cat, the new cat, Cinnamon, took a major poop in the den. He put the cat outside and left the cat outside in 30 degree weather for like five hours. I came in from where I'd been and said, where's Cinnamon? I put her outside. I'm like, when did you put her outside and why? The cat had been outside, I guess, what was it, Jackie? 36, 37 degrees outside? And yeah, I know she's wearing a fur coat, but still. And he said, well, she could stay in the garage where it's warm with the cars. I'm like, that, but it's still outside. Anyway, let me just say that unless he wants a divorce, which I doubt, because he wants to be with the twins. I don't give myself any credit there. He will not put the cat outside again. That's the cat. Much less a nine-year-old little boy. Nicole Parton, what in the H-E-double-L is going on in Lexington, North Carolina. Absolutely, Nancy. And all of this when a concerned neighbor catches a glimpse of a little boy locked in this outside kennel with straw, just some straw in the kennel like we put for an animal. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, let me refer to the two guinea pigs that live in the house, Chloe and Spot. Every morning they get their cage cleaned and they get fresh hay and food and water. 
Sometimes I have the window open, but I close it if it gets chilly in there. At night, they have a full-on salad, more hay, and more water. And this little boy had nothing but, what did you say, straw? That's right, just some straw, like some hay. That's it. You know, I hardly even know what to say right now. Nicole Parton, what condition do we know the boy was in? Is it true that it was 28 degrees outside? 28 degrees outside, frost on the ground. A nine-year-old boy found locked in a freezing dog kennel outside the home, Lexington, North Carolina, cast out since April, shoeless, what? sleeping on straw because there was, quote, no room for him in the home where father, stepmother, aunt, and four siblings slept. There was no room for him. He was the only one that had to sleep out in a locked dog cage with straw without shoes. A- am I reading the right thing? That's correct. Absolutely. And the few clothes that he had on authorities, they were wet. They were damp. So he's out there in wet clothes. Of course, there's no bathroom. There's nowhere to go. Wet clothes. It's 28 degrees. That we know is below freezing. And this young boy is left alone there for seven months. He's locked in the dog kennel. Seven months. Sarah Ford joining me, legal director, South Carolina Victim Assistance Network. Her specialty is crimes on children. She's professor at uh, Claflin University and South Carolina State University. Sarah I'm sure you've tried a lot of cases, as have I. Have you ever cried in front of a jury? I've never cried in front of a jury, but it's taken a whole lot for me not to. I've certainly cried when I've gotten to my office because we see so many horrible, horrible things. Uh, But I've certainly gotten emotional in front of a jury, as I'm sure you have as well. Well, I've never cried in front of a jury. I did cry, begin to cry once. It was a bench trial, which means a judge was hearing it. I'll tell you what happened. There was a two little, two-year-old little girl who would be a vegetable in a vegetative state the rest of her life. All she w- would ever do at that point is lie on her back in a crib, and that bed will get bigger as she gets older. Again, vegetative state from a horrific beating that her father gave her. During the trial, as you know, Sarah, it's very hard to get medical records because of HIPAA and so many other things. And this was a juvenile victim, which made it even more more layers of protection. During the trial, wow, thanks, I finally got the the medical documents. During the trial, of course, they could not be admitted because... You have to hand over scientific reports such as hospital records far in advance of the trial to the defense counsel. But I had them. I, they came during the trial, which was no help to me. And I was listening and I was just thumbing, you know, to what was happening. And I thumbed through and I saw where this little child had no hymen, this two-year-old little girl, which means she was raped. Not only was she beaten into a vegetative state for the rest of her life, she had also, two years old, been raped. How many times? Don't know. And my eyes welled up, and I immediately called for a recess and left and went outside and got it together and went back in there, and I gave them so much hell. Not enough, though, because they're probably out of jail by now. Long story short, this case is very hard for me to keep a straight face uh, when I hear what happened 
to this little boy. Okay, Nicole Parton, you just said, actually, would you say it again? He was found locked outdoors in the dog kennel. Nothing there but some straw to lay on. So no pillow, nothing warm and cozy. It's 28 degrees. That's below freezing. The few clothes that he has on are wet, no shoes, and he's been there for seven months. Authorities said he was so cold when they got to him. He was shivering, uncontrollable, and he was unable to speak to them. He was so cold. Literally, the clothes on him were freezing because it was 28 degrees. Take a listen to Sheriff Richie Simmons out of Davison County. Approximately 6.56 a.m., we received a call for a welfare check of kids. Uh, when we arrived on scene, we, uh, we made entry into a location that uh, our deputies, we felt like exigent circumstances to go over a fence to go after and look. And we found, actually found a nine-year-old child within a dog lot that was on the premises outside and away from the home. Uh, we were able to breach the combination lock and, and the fence retrieve this child. Uh, the temperature at the time was about 28 degrees. Uh, we found out that this child had been out there all night. All night? What about all night, every night for seven months? Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. 
It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun! Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Joining me, special guest, pediatrician at the Pediatric Emergency Medic Medicine Section, child safety expert and consultant, founder of pedimom.com that's p-e-d-i-m-o-m.com dr free in hess dr hess thank you for being with us explain to me what these conditions would do to a child 28 degrees in wet clothing outside no food and this has been going on for seven months yeah um so it's extremely dangerous and can actually even lead to death so just from some of the symptoms that I've read about that this particular child had, confusion, difficulty speaking, the shivering, um, that tells me at least he's in moderate hypothermia. We kind of look at mild, moderate to severe, which then can lead to death. Um, and he's at least there, maybe even more severe without knowing more. But And that can happen in those temperatures, even fully clothed um, without having a source of heat. So he was not fully clothed, plus he was higher risk because he was a child, probably, and I would assume likely malnourished, being that he hadn't had food out there. All of those things put him at even increased risk. And then being wet, you combine all of this, and had he not been found, this could have ended very, very badly. I'm just trying to figure out what long-term physical and psychological effects this boy will suffer. Guys, take a listen now to our cut LWFMY. When deputies arrived, they say they found the boy wearing jeans, a t-shirt, and no shoes. This was on October 19th when there was frost on the ground around the kennel. His stepmother claimed only the aunt knew the combination to the lock on the kennel and that she and her husband were upset about the boy being kept there. Another disturbing detail, that 911 caller also told dispatchers they took the child some food in the past. And a neighbor who spoke to detectives on scene told them the boy had been in the kennel since 10.30 p.m. the night before. And he said he brought him a coat and snacks. Okay, let's analyze what we're just hearing. That only one person in the home, out of all the people in the home, had the, quote, combination to the lock. Man, I would tear that kennel down if I had to drive my car over it to get the boy out. 
It's just excuses, excuses, excuses. No shoes, frost on the ground. And we're seeing the emergence of an evil stepmother claiming that only the aunt knows the combination to the lot on the kennel and that she and her husband were really upset about it, but did nothing. Explain to me, Nicole Parton, the neighbors knew this. They said that they had been giving him a coat and trying to give him snacks since 1030 the night before. Right. Absolutely. So we have actually two different neighbors. We have a neighbor who called 911 anonymously who caught a glimpse of the boy in the kennel. And um, that neighbor's wife says even that neighbor had kind of snuck over there in the past and dropped the boy some food over in the dog kennel. And then we have another neighbor who shows up on his four-wheeler when detectives arrive, who also tells his story that, in fact, he knows the boy has been locked up for months. No offense, but what the hell is wrong with these people? A good question. I mean, help me out, Dr. Angie Arnold. They know the boy is there outside locked in a kennel outdoors in cold, wet clothing. 1030 at night. And then we find out he, the neighbors have known that he's there. They've been giving him snacks. For how long? Weeks? I don't know. And they somebody finally calls at 7.30 in the morning. Could you actually sleep, Dr. Angie, knowing a child was outside? Nancy, none of us could sleep knowing something like that. Nancy, I couldn't sleep if somebody left their dog outside in the cold. And I can't even imagine locking... And also, you know how everybody's been talking about there was just straw back there and he wasn't dressed very well? Nancy, they didn't put him back there so that he could be in good shape. They were probably hoping he would die from this, and then they could cover that up. Because he hadn't been to school, he was just going to disappear from the world, this poor little boy. So, no, I can't imagine that a neighbor wouldn't say anything. And maybe that's why these people think that they could get away with all of this with locking their child in a in a doghouse because they knew that no one was going to say anything or were the neighbors scared of them also. You know, I'm um, looking at pictures of the little boy all the way back. This little boy, um, we're not giving his name, pictures of him as a baby in diapers in a dog kennel. And it's the same kind we have when we have to move Fat Boy or Cinnamon. It's for a bigger dog, but it's got a top. It's a full-on cage with a lock on the door. He's in diapers in a dog cage when he looks like he might be, I don't know, 18 months maybe. What? I mean, Nancy, you almost have to wonder if they were if they were training him to live in a dog cage because that's how you train a dog. You put them in a cage. Guys, you're hearing Dr. Angie Arnold, psychiatrist out of the Atlanta jurisdiction at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Um, Robert Farley joining me, uh, former detective, Cook County Sheriff's Police Department, also with the U.S. Marshal. The commanding officer with the Child Exploitation Unit, Rob Farley, the only silver lining I have to say about this case is that the boy is alive. Because typically, when I get a hold of a case like this to investigate, to try, or to cover, the child is dead. That's the only good kernel of this. What do you think, Farley? I mean, 
these people need life on life on life. My experience is that I'm amazed they lasted nine years. I mean, if you have pictures of them in the cage, which which I saw, I mean, at 18 months, it's a wonder. I mean, I did child abuse homicides, and it, it's a wonder he lasted really that long. The one thing that was that along with the silver lining with the little guy being still alive is the fact that, uh, boy, I really, you know, got to commend the Davidson County Sheriff's Department that, you know, they went and did the right thing. It wasn't one of these things. They knocked on the door and you get some excuse and then they leave. I mean, they really, really went there and you heard the sheriff use the term exigent circumstances, which, Mm -hmm. as you know, is in an emergency, you know, there's no search warrant or anything. We're going in. We're grabbing the kid and taking the kid out of there. Uh, Speaking of exigent circumstances, that term arose from Carroll versus the United States. That's the name of the case. And that case dates all the way back to moonshining era during Prohibition, when people would lug moonshine in the back of their cars in the trunks. The problem is, by the time you got a warrant, you see a caddy going by with a tail scraping the ground. You know there's moonshine in there, but you didn't have a warrant. So a cop finally chased down one of these uh, cars full of moonshine in the trunk, opened the trunk, got the moonshine, but then it was contested, and it was actually suppressed. Anyway, the evidence. It was appealed all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. The defendant's name was Carroll, last name Carroll, hence U.S. versus Carroll. And the Supreme Court decided that under exigent circumstances, in other words, you're going to lose the evidence. In this case, the boy could die. You're going to lose the evidence unless you act immediately without a warrant. That's what exigent circumstances means under the law. And Robert Farley is exactly correct. Guys, he's so right about detectives acting because who knows if the boy could have even lived one more hour in sub-freezing conditions. Now, this is what they find. Take a listen to our cut three from Fox 8 WGHP. The first person deputies saw after finding the child was Sarah Starr, who's the child's stepmother. They say she was inside with an infant and a four-year-old inside that home. She told investigators she didn't have the combination to the lock on the dog cage, saying only her aunt, identified as Shelly Barnes, had that. Let me understand what I'm hearing, Nicole Parton. Join me, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. So there's other children in the home that apparently are okay. But (laughs) she says, oh, yeah, he's out there, but I couldn't do anything because I don't have the combination. What? Right. I mean... Call authorities. Do anything. Get the child out of the cage. What? what, what to explain to me what I'm hearing. Yeah, so that was her excuse to the detectives uh, when they went inside. Again, as was pointed out, they didn't knock on the door. They went inside the home and found her with a child, an eight-month-old child. And also interesting, they found the four-year-old child hiding under the bed. The four-year-old was hiding under the bed. Stepmom, 40-year-old Sarah, says... We don't have the combination. We've really been concerned that the nine-year-old is locked outside, but only my aunt has the combination. There's nothing that we could do. We didn't know how to get him out. Father is also in the home. 32-year-old Jonathan Starr is there. Same excuse. We couldn't get him out. We didn't have the combination. 
And so they forced the blame back on the 56-year-old aunt, Shelley Barnes, who we might add is a convicted felon with a laundry list of offenses against her. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. The aunt with a combination is a convicted felon for what? What did she do? Um, she has 34 arrests, I believe it was, including identity fraud, health and safety violations, um, maintaining a dwelling place for controlled substances. Oh, she's a jewel, and she's the one with the combination. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Sarah Ford, can I just say, number one, they can all rot in hell. Absolutely. Number one, 
That's the first legal premise. Second is all of them were colluding. They're all responsible. Every adult in that home is responsible. And for child torture of this manner in North Carolina, I do believe there is at least a 20-year sentence, and that can be compounded. If they wanted to, the state could, could give them a 20-year sentence if found guilty for every single day this child is in that dog cage for starving the child, for probably beating the child, because you know it all goes hand in hand. Can I ask a legal question from the medical side of Jump testing? in, Dr. Hess! I am wondering... Um, what the thought process is about the fact that this particular child on that particular night with that temperature and in those conditions could very well have died. Attempted murder. You know what, Dr. Dr. Hess, us lawyers don't like it when we get shown up by doctors. Okay, so (laughs) sadly, shut your pie hole. Actually, you're completely right, and I have to eat a dirt sandwich. You're right, Dr. Hess. This could be attempted murder, Sarah Ford. I guess I needed an MD to straighten me out. She's right, Sarah. This could be attempted murder. She's absolutely correct. I want them to go down on attempted murder. They absolutely should be charged. I mean, the the charges that they have of abuse and and neglect, I mean, that's just the bottom of the barrel. Nothing. This poor child. I mean, this is absolutely the fact that this child has lived this long in a cage is an absolute miracle. And these, you know, the stepmom, the biological father and the aunt, you know, they're just going back and forth trying to, to blame each other, but they are all culpable uh, to the max in this and need to be prosecuted. You know, Dr. Hess, I'm investigating you. I think you secretly have a JD as well. Guys, this is not <laughs> the first time that locking a child in an enclosure such as a cage, a closet, a shower stall, a box, a dog cage, as in this case, has happened. It's a very unique phenomena, and it is a little-known aspect of child abuse. Um, the deprivation of movement, the enclosure aspect of this type of child abuse is possibly, next to starving, I think, one of the most awful forms of child abuse. And it's certainly not the first time it's happened. Take a listen to our cut 12A, our friends at News 12. We begin with that developing story out of Cinema Riches. Disturbing information about the death of an eight-year-old boy released by police just a short time ago. Police now say Michael Volva and his fiancée Angela Polina left Thomas Volva in an unheated garage, unheated and unfinished, overnight in freezing temperatures. They say when he was taken to the hospital, where he was pronounced dead, his body temperature was 76 degrees. As we first told you, police responded to reports that the child fell in the driveway of the home. This was on Bittersweet Lane last week, but investigators say the eight-year-old suffered head and facial injuries inconsistent with those reports. The couple also have five other children, including two other sons and Polina's three daughters. You remember when in old house, right? Yes. You were, you had, um, Two floors, right? Downstairs and upstairs? No, three. Basement. Oh, the basement was there. And the one part of the house, um, there was also garage, right? Yeah, there was a garage. Did you ever see any heater in the garage? Any what? Like a heater. Was the garage heated or unheated? Nope. Just plain old cold. It was cold? Yeah, like, so let's say, like... 
it's like, it was like snow in there, but instead there was snow, so it's just really cold. It's like if you, it's like you're putting your whole body in snow. Really? Yeah. And was anybody sleeping in the garage? Thomas and Anthony were. Thomas and Anthony? I think. Was, was, was the garage door, you were able to go inside the garage and out, or was the door locked? Well, sometimes the door was locked. Sometimes it was locked? Yeah, when, when mom and dad left, Anthony and Tom was alone in the garage. Oh, so when Anthony and Tommy were left in the garage, the door was locked? Uh-huh. And was there anything else to sleep on in the garage? No, just the floor. Just the floor? And was, no pillow. And no pillow? Was, um, and no blanket either. You are hearing little Thomas Nava, who I might add is autistic. You're hearing his little brother, Andrew, describe how Thomas would have to stay in the garage night after night after night, and there would actually be snow in the garage, sleeping on the cold floor without a pillow or a blanket. In Thomas Valva's case, there was also considerable beatings, starvings, deprivations. Listen to Pixie 11. My children were basically starved to death. Justina Valva can't bring back her eight-year-old son Thomas, a special needs student with mild autism, but she can demand accountability from the child welfare workers and judges who gave custody of her three sons to ex-husband Michael Valva and his girlfriend Angela Polina. What do you have to say for yourself? Valva said her 10-year-old son was also forced into Michael Valva's freezing garage. He had frostbite on his hands, um, on his legs. The East Mauritius School District had expressed concern about the two oldest boys in this letter sent in April 2018. They were looking for food on the classroom floor, in the garbage. Um, they were coming to school wearing diapers. Did you hear that, Sarah Ford? The school district had, quote, expressed concern because the boys were coming in looking for food on the floor and in the garbage, wearing diapers, but they did nothing. And the mom is threatening to sue DFACS, Department of Family Children's Services. But wait a minute, she's the mom. What did she do? What did she do to save her boys? And now Thomas Velva is dead, this little autistic boy, having slept in the garage where there's snow every night forced out there by the bio dad and his girlfriend. I mean, the school expressed concern. That's all. That's all they could do. He wasn't coming to school. When he did come to school, he was looking for food in the garbage. Expressing concern doesn't cut it, Sarah Ford. It doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. You know, teachers are mandated reporters. Um, You know, and for mandated reporters, that means that there is a law that teachers uh, doctors, uh, other professionals have an obligation, a legal obligation to report uh, suspected abuse of children. Express concern, my rear end. That's all they did. They expressed concern. How do people sleep at night knowing what these children are living through? Just like the neighbors in the North Carolina case. They knew the little boy was outside in a dog cage. And what would they do? Go give them a couple of chips? That's it? Are you serious? 
That's not the end of the Thomas Velva story. Take a listen to our cut 19, our friends at WABC. You're never going to believe this because the father who did this to the boy actually sets up a GoFundMe. Police say Thomas also had facial and head injuries. Michael Valva had told police Thomas had fallen in the driveway and was knocked unconscious. He created a GoFundMe page which raised $14,000 for Thomas's funeral. In it, Michael Valva describes the death of his son as a, quote, tragic accident. But police believe Valva and Paulina routinely left Thomas and his 10-year-old brother in the garage as a form of punishment. So many people involved here that... Um took a part of protecting the abuser instead of protecting the ch- my children. Zupko Valva says school staff in the East Mauritius School District had contacted CPS about Thomas and signs of physical abuse. They also noted he and his brother were suffering from food deprivation and were visibly dirty. Food deprivation, visibly dirty? And it happened day after day after day, yet the abusers were protected while the children suffered? There is no case worse than... Child abuse, child death, child murders. Um, you were hearing about little Thomas Valva being forced to stay in a snowy garage. The enclosure aspect of child abuse is not a new thing. Take a listen to our cut 29 from KEYT. Cynthia Vasquez doesn't just work at Casa Pacifica's Center for Abused and Neglected Kids. She came in one of the worst cases that we've ever seen. She, it was horrendous what she and her sister went through. Cynthia's a little girl that came to us from a cage. She had lived in an animal cage in a basement for years. Almost five years, in fact, from when she was just five. When she first joined her foster family, all was good. For the first year, it was great. I mean, it was like the dream house it the christmas was awesome i mean we went to disneyland like every month but then everything changed everything changed all right take a listen to more cynthia's foster mother received thousands of dollars to pay for her care but eventually it just went out of control i was put um, inside a cage a homemade cage made of plywood just five feet by four feet built in a basement with a wire mesh window on the inside there was a bed and you and there was like um, a latch so you couldn't like get out she remembers being kept on the edge of starvation i was only allowed to eat raw eggs with vegetable oil and it was disgusting. She remembers hot sauce put in her eyes and other forms of torture. She put my hand on the stove and left it like, you know, was like pushing it down. And that mother was getting thousands of dollars every month to take care of these children. And this child was locked in a cage in a basement for five years, her hand being forced onto a hot stove. What kind of a freak could even do that to Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist, joining us out of the Atlanta jurisdiction? What kind of mind would put a child's hand on a hot stove or put them in a cage in a basement? Well, Nancy, the worst thing is, and and we don't, and we're not going to blame this on mental illness. Because there's evil. I didn't even ask that. There's evil without mental illness. Okay? And oftentimes, oftentimes the perpetrators of this type of abuse are playing, they could be playing out a type of abuse that they've suffered in the past. The child could remind them of someone, and they're not getting caught. And so 
they're just escalating their abuse that they're playing out through this child. But they they could very well be playing out things that are going through their own mind that they may have suffered through this child. Or they are just completely evil and they get some sort of pleasure out of watching this abuse. Let me understand something. Uh, Robert Farley joining me, former detective, Cook County Sheriff's Department expertise, child exploitation. Dr. Angela Arnold, when I asked what kind of, it's my fault. I asked the question. Okay. Rule number one, don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. But see, that's for in court. And the answer I got, Robert Farley, is somehow the parents, the uh, guardian, may be living out something that happened to them through the child. Do I care, Robert Farley? Do I care why they're doing it? The answer is no. That's a tip to you. The answer is no. Don't care why an adult is mistreating a child this way till they die. You know, Nancy, with, with some of some of the cases that I had with uh, arresting people who've killed children and that, I just find they're just bullies. They're just bad, bad, bad people. As you're talking, though, about these kids being caged from an investigative point of view, what I would be looking for also is evidence of restraints and binding. Because oftentimes these kids are, uh, you mentioned, like uh, in the cage, bound to a bed. So I would look for restraint marks on their wrists. I would look for restraint marks on their ankles. I would look for uh, uh, bruising as a result of the kids being cagged is uh, during, uh, they're pretty much tortured. I mean, I can think of a fellow that, uh, you know, six foot three, 230 pounds, you know, murdering an 18-month-old baby was doing body slams with the baby and the stuff you see on the wrestling things on that. I mean, this is a monster. And you know what's interesting about what you just said, uh, Robert Farley? You're absolutely correct. In my mind, in my layperson mind, again, I'm not a shrink, but there's a difference in losing all impulse control and hitting your kid, which, of course, is murder one, and they can rot in hell, as opposed to a systematic night after night after night, day after day after day, leaving your child, your baby, in a cage outdoors in 28-degree temperature. And I don't even know what to call those neighbors who knew it was happening and did nothing. And here's another example. Take a listen to our cut 32. Not just one, but two children in a cage. Neighbors saw the couple living there outside fighting. And a short time later, deputies responding to a 911 call that the woman made showed up at the house after a report of domestic violence and a window being broken out. While the deputies were talking to uh, the male and the female, they um, they heard children inside the house. Once deputies were inside, the discovery was heartbreaking. The youngest ones appeared to be malnourished and were unclothed. Um, the um, their two older children were locked inside a dog kennel. And in Racine, our cut 34, it happens all over the country. Here's WISN about the same conditions in Racine, Wisconsin. Listen. The Racine County Sheriff says it is one of the most disturbing cases of child abuse he has ever seen. A nine-year-old girl locked in a dog cage. The girl recently told her teacher at school who told authorities. The sheriff tells 12 News they arrested two caregivers pictured there. They say the girl was forced to stay in the cage for up to 12 hours a day, including at night and on weekends. In 23 years of law enforcement, I have yet to see something like this. I needed to see it for myself, and I was, I was taken back. Uh, it, was a, it was a shock that people actually treat 
a child like this. It was one of the most disturbing things I've witnessed in law enforcement. Living in a cage, and of course we'll never forget the case of little Adrian, at least I won't. I won't go through all the torture inflicted on him, but in our cut in from KHSB, you see his enclosure was in a locked shower stall. Listen. The abuse began with Adrian standing for hours at a time with his hands in the air, but quickly escalates. They'd strap him to inversion tables or make him stand outside all night or in the cold holding tiki torches. Why are you doing that? Please just stop it, Jack. I can't even hear it anymore. Okay, you were hearing Adrian's voice before his death. The stepmother would video all of her torture, beaten, starved, locked in a locked shower stall until he died. In this case that we're covering right now out of North Carolina, the silver lining is that the boy lived. I'm going to count on Dr. Hess and Dr. Angie Arnold to describe the lifelong repercussions this will inflict upon him. But just so you know, here's a resolution. Take a listen to our cut seven, our friends at WFMY. If you see something in your neighborhood involving children, elderly, whatever, say something to us. Um, it wasn't an isolated case this time. Uh, this probably been going on some, and the importance we want is for you, the public, to get involved and help us. All three people who are charged in this case made their first court appearance this morning. A judge raised all three of their bonds. The father and stepmother, their bond was increased to $100,000. And the child's aunt, Shelly Barnes, her bond was increased to $300,000. And she is also facing drug and weapons charges. To Dr. Free in Hess from PDMom.com, what type of long-term ailments will afflict this boy? So it depends on um, what his core temperature was once he was actually found. Mm -hmm. um, you can have some organ damage, but even more peripherally because you end up shunting your blood, meaning try and get your blood more to the core to take care of your important organs, you can get frostbite um, on fingers, toes, nose, essentially any of your parts of your extremity, which if severe enough can require amputation. Now, I don't know if that was the case with him, but um, considering what we've already known, it, if not a possibility already, it definitely could have been had he been left there. And Dr. Angie Arnold, there's more to this case because this North Carolina boy found in a locked in a freezing dog kennel, uh, seen in a cage as a baby, he was erased from family photos and sent to, quote, live outside by his father, stepmother, and aunt. Can he ever surmount the emotional and psychological damage ever? I really don't think, you know, Nancy, it's sad, but I don't think that he can. First of all, he may have, as Dr. Hester said, he may have suffered brain damage from from the torture that he was, the, the torture that was heaped upon him. But Nancy, this is such a this is such a form of abandonment. So the child hasn't he stopped his development at some point. He stopped his normal development. He hasn't reached his normal milestones. He has no attachment to anyone. And then that all has to you know, when you miss these things when a child is developing at their core, 
oftentimes you can't get them back. And this is also so severe. I also wonder, Dr. Angie, how come no one missed him at school? Oh, I wonder that too. If my children are even late, I get an email at 8.20 a.m. Your child is tardy. It's not a very nice email either, as it shouldn't be. So what, they didn't even know the child had just quit coming to school? I can't wait to see whose head is going to roll. A silver platter is too good for these heads once they're chopped off. So we've got Jonathan Starr. Let's name them. The victim's father, 32 years old. Sarah Starr, 40-year-old. Victim's stepmother, and Shelley Barnes, the evil aunt, age 56. These charges are not enough. This is attempted murder. The tip line, if you have any information or would just want to give input like I do, for the Davidson County Sheriff's Office is 336-242-2100. Repeat, 336-242-2100. Sadly, I can't prosecute the neighbors who stood by and let it happen. We wait as justice unfolds. Goodbye, friend. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.